0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now, lean in and enjoy. Just quickly, right now, <clears throat> just Father, we just open up ears. Would you help us? Would you cause us to hear? Book of Revelations, it says hear hear what the spirit is saying with you today unblock ears unblock the ears of hard hearts unblock physical ears right now by your power and by your mercy and by your kindness in the mighty name of jesus father we pray as we sit under your word now that you'll come to change our hearts our minds and our very lives in the name of your risen son jesus we pray amen <clears throat> such a delight to be here would you turn in your bibles to the book of acts uh, chapter 10 i want to be looking at that there's a bit of a slight feedback i don't know if it's me We just zip it in here it all right and uh we just uh, last night we looked at a little piece of Acts and and uh The book of Acts is such an encouraging book. It's an accessible book, as I said. It's a it's a book of reality. It challenges us to say, "Well, where are we in our life, and where should we be? Where was the Bible? Where is the Bible with the new church birth, and where are we? And how do we measure up to these things?" Yeah, and there's of course there's been many emphases across across the world and across the generations. Uh, about what happens in the book of Acts and, and some of those things stopped in the book of Acts because they only needed the power at the start now that the power is finished now that the church is established we don't need the power anymore what hogwash the world, there is more unbelievers now than there was ever then in those days the power is greater needed now than it was ever then and so so, so those guys that live under that reality uh, or under that, that that false reality of that the power is stopped need to just go where the gospel is needed and they see why they need the power. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't need the power because it's just so safe, isn't it? Yeah. Why do I need the power? I'm waking up from my breaky. I've got this. It's just so nice. No power needed. Suddenly you're faced with the reality of life yeah. and you call out to the power of God to come and rescue you. And the book of Acts is such a such a model, such a such a way of us reading through that. And, and I'm going to read from Acts chapter ten, verse twenty-three. And it's the background of the story. It's the story about Cornelius, this incredible man who's a Roman. He's a he's a Gentile. He's not a believer in Jesus yet. He 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 has a fear for God. He is a is a kind man, and uh, and 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 so he calls out to God, and he's generous, and God sends an angel. And he says, there's a man in shining clothes. He's got no religious terminology yet. He says, a man in shining clothes appeared to me. He's not a disco dancer, not a guy from the 80s. It's just a man in shining clothes. He doesn't even know angels. Yet there's this man in shining clothes that appears and says, go and find Peter. In Joppa. Now Caesarea was the, was the seat of power. is where the Romans' authority was seated in those days, within Judea. They're the occupiers of that area. And he's a man of authority. And he responds to this and he sends some of his most trusted guys. And they go across to, to Joppa to go and find Peter in the house of Simon the Tanner. And Peter, I don't know if you've ever had this, he's busy praying on the roof. And sometimes when you pray, you go from praying to holy snooze. Have you ever had that? You go, pray, pray, oh, and you go into that moment of transition. It's a glorious transition. Um, it happens to me sometimes. And then it goes into another glorious transition. You start drinking your food. Oh, it just gets better and better. And suddenly, all the cultural barriers get smashed in Peter's life. All the religious barriers get smashed if God brings his revelation to him and shows him this incredible picture of all these animals of heaven that are di- on, on, this, on this like a, a, a tablecloth that are, that are surrendered and presented before him. And there's hooved animals, and there's animals that you should not eat. And of course, Peter's a Jew. And although he's got saved, and although he's been renewed, he's still struggling with some of his Jewishness. He's still struggling with some of these cultural backgrounds that he's had. Something like in the church today. Some of us still struggle with the cultural backgrounds that we have. So sad to go to America, but it's not just America. And you see people still so stuck in the culture and where they've come from. White culture, black culture, this culture, that culture. For us, we have no culture because there's 60 cultures. So where do you start and stop? So you just have to have kingdom culture. And isn't that what the church calls? And so Peter suddenly, boom, smacked in his head by kingdom coming down. And God says, eat, Peter, kill, eat. No God, I can't. Now get rid of your culture and start following the kingdom and you'll see how it brings the presence and power of God. And so Peter is in this place and of course the men arrive, knock on the door and this is where we take up this story. So we're going to read from Acts 23. This is the single longest story in the whole book of Acts. A whole chapter is devoted to it. And then he repeats it again in the next chapter. So I think God wants to tell us something in it. Have you found Acts chapter 10 yet? Give up if you haven't. <laughs> then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them. and Some of the believers from Joppa went along. Sorry, let me just make sure. There you go. Some of the, the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. They called together his relatives and close friends. And when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. And so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And Peter began to speak. And I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Isn't that wonderful? But accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Can you say God was with him? We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. through his name. While Peter was still speaking. Isn't that wonderful? These words, the Holy Spirit came and all who heard the message. I think it's every preacher's dream. Whilst they are speaking, the Holy Spirit comes on them as they hear the message. There's a change of heart that comes. There's an the opening of the heart that happens. And as they do that, the Spirit of God is attracted by it, and He falls on those people. And you don't want as a preacher, when you finish and someone says, Oh, that was a nice message. Well, that was interesting. Now you you want to be going, what shall I do? The Spirit of God falls on those hearts. These men are captured by the fact that Jesus has come to save them from their sin. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with him for a few days. It's a delightful piece of scripture. I, I, I really like it. I, I, I remember preaching on this years ago and then I preached on it again. And every time I preached on it, it seemed to change. And, uh, but I love some of the language. I, I, if you start right at the beginning, it says, and the next day. I love the fact there was no delay. Yeah. The next day. So he sees a man in shining clothes. The next day, immediately he sends, and three in the afternoon he sends his boys out. Peter, on the other hand, is praying, and the next day he hears them at 12. He hears the message. God has witnessed it to his heart, and the next day he sets on the journey. There's not this delay. We, we seem to have built this big delay factor into the life of the church. doesn't mean we run off like crazy chickens without heads. We can measure it, but we, we respond when God speaks. The church has got this thing, oh, well, I'll hear it, I can now say it again, all right, Jesus, next week, and okay, man. we just, uh, yeah. there's a the next day. There's an immediacy that God wants to bring to the church. And it comes with the conditions of our hearts. When our hearts are ready to hear, respond, and believe, faith comes from hearing the word, there's a the next day that becomes a reality. And the church on the move, and the church that attracts the presence and power of God, because I want to be in a church that attracts the presence and power of God, is a church that has no delays like that. There's not ungodly delays. I, I love the next thing. He sends them from Caesarea to Joppa, 51 kilometers. I don't know who's recently just suddenly gone in a 51 kilometer. You have a dream? Uh, I've got to go in march to Misenberg. No, that's only 30. Go, Stellenbosch. No, that's close. What's 51 kilometers? Marmesbury. Yeah, we could ask Rian. He did it. How much did you do yesterday? But he's crazy, so that's different. But but who wakes up and says, I've had a dream, and God said to me, I must go to such and such a house 51 kilometers away. Walking. You see, when God speaks, and I see the church that attracts the presence and power of God is the church that's prepared to be inconvenienced. It's a church that's prepared to say, next day I'll go, and then I'll go 51 kilometers. Yeah. Gee whereas i tell you, in our church, we have a, a different story. We have, as I said, many nationalities. So we have African time, we have Arab time, we have Indian time, which means we have no time. Everybody's always, I mean, they just come any time. And so we've started a new thing, seriously, we started a new thing whereby we close the doors of the church 30 minutes after the service starts. I said, listen, Peter heard this, and the next day they walked 51 kilometers. I can't even go two kilometers in my car because it's too tough. The church in the book of Acts was prepared to respond and was prepared to be inconvenienced. And sometimes it's time for the church to get off our comfortable chairs. I'm so glad you don't have cushions on your chair. Don't get them. Make it tough. We're All these guys with these plus chairs, they're sitting in these Grafton Everest, and they wonder why nobody wants to get up and worship Jesus. (laughs) If I go to Pakistan, we don't have chairs. We sit 300 in a hall like this, and we squeeze in, and we sweat. My friend Dave went to Zimbabwe recently. Friends of ours who planted a church there. And he sent me this picture, and I wept. they're standing like this, worshiping with one little light under a tree. And the people are dancing. They don't need smoke. They don't need mirrors. They don't need nothing. They just need Jesus. And they worship. I see the church in the book of Acts. Not so much concerned about its comfort, but more concerned about the name of Jesus. And the modern church has got so much concerned about its comfort. You know, in Nepal, we planted a church, and there's a young young lady, I call her a young lady because she's 78, and she got saved five years ago out of Hinduism. <clears throat> and uh, Nepal, you have what's called a Nepali flat. And the Nepali flat looks like this. Up the mountain, down the mountain. Up, there's no straights. And show, so Rudra, who just planted a church, his mom walks two and a half hours to a meeting, and two hours back, because it's down the hill, so it's quicker, back to home for every meeting. Three times a week. She'll walk two and a half hours one way, Two another way, seven to eight years old. And she's never late. And she comes in, and when the young people come in, the kids are late, she says, Why are you late? She says, Who are we worshipping? She was so used to worshipping dumb idols, and now she's working the living king. She says, I did that, now I'm worshipping God. How can I be late? It's not a problem in Cape Town, it's a problem just down the road, huh? <laughs> Bosch, those likes are always late there. Amazing, when Peter arrives at Cornelius' house and they're expecting him. Do you know how long it took before T- Peter got there? Cornelius prayed three in the afternoon, sent his boys out. They arrived the next day just after 12 when Peter's having his holy snooze. Peter responds, that's the next day. The next day they set out a whole day's journey and the next day they arrive. And what do they find when they get there? No email, no SMS, no WhatsApp. We're on our way. They find the whole house full, waiting for this man to come. Three days. Ha ha! Who's coming, Cornelius? Oh, a Jew. Jew! They don't mix with us. They don't mix with us. How can we wait for a Jew? When is he coming? Well, I'm not sure, but he's coming. How do you know? A man in shiny clothes told me. What? Cornelius, what have you been doing? <laughs> he's prepared... To put his whole reputation on the line. Yeah. Guys, I, I don't know what it is, but there's a man coming. Someone came to me in shiny clothes. He said, Go and fetch him. He gave me the house. Where's this house? I don't know, but it's in that town. My boys are gonna fetch him. Peter, how long should we wait? Cornelius house. He's coming. I don't know where he's, but today he's coming. I'm sure he's coming. Day two, he's coming. Day three, he's coming. Yeah. Imagine being at the day of Pentecost. And you waited for nine and a half days. You couldn't wait for ten days. And after nine and a half days, you were the one who went out to buy pizza. And then the Spirit of God fell. And you come back and you go, what have I missed? Boys, what's going on? Flames everywhere. The church that attracts the presence and power of God is the church that's expectant. I, I don't know how I, I, some of you guys come to church. I know sometimes I come to church... And I can do much of it with my eyes closed. And Jesus challenged me. I felt the real challenge of Jesus. Not a rebuke, but just a challenge. Rob, do you still come to worship me? Are you still expecting to meet with me when you come in the meeting? Rob, Rob, you you sit in the front row. You even look like you're worshipping. Rob, are you still expecting to meet with me? tell you, expected hearts attract the presence and power of God. These guys are unbelievers. Amazing. Yet they're so hungry to meet with God. You know, everywhere in that journey, there was place for faith to be exercised. Peter didn't know who Peter, Cornelius didn't know who Peter was. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know what time he came, each time he believed. He didn't know when he'd come. He didn't know what he'd say. He knew it was a different culture group. All of that exercise of faith. Expectative hearts are hearts that exercise faith. Yeah. I, I, I want to I tell you and I want to encourage you. I quoted it last night. My friend, Rodney Hart-Brown says this. Our expectation is his invitation. It's an invitation to the, to the king of heaven. Have you ever seen when you go away, fathers or, or moms and you come back home and you've got little kids. Those kids are there. Mommy and daddy's coming. Some of us don't have kids. We've only got a dog. But he's waiting there. He's so happy. The King is coming. And he comes. And we come to church. Mm. Uh, Not even the coffee's nice today. And then we wonder why God doesn't come. Listen, this is only an encouragement. Because this was, to me, that he was challenging me. But perhaps it could be an encouragement to some of you. My friend Richard, jacket, Richard, 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 Richard Gavin. my daughter was uh, working in his church for about a month. And she, I said, how's the worship? And she said, oh, wonderful dad. She says, but you know what was the best worship? She says, one day the power went off. And so my eyes lit up. I like things like that. Power went off. I said, what then? She said, the worship leader was, worship leader was a bit flat for a minute. She said, and then he went into singing that great Matt Redmond song. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. She says, and the whole church stood up. I started singing. This chorus, she says, and the power of God just went into the meeting. I've got goosebumps as I say that. Oh, Jesus. We come to worship your God. Our expectation today is that we come to meet with the King. Our expectation every time we come to a meeting. It's not just filling the time. Not just, I know I should be on the beach, but I'm rather in church. Come to meet with the king. Every time I go into my quiet place, every time I come where nobody sees me, what am I doing? I'm meeting with the king. Every time I'm worshiping in my car, sometimes I just sing for a lack of songs, but then suddenly I realize, oh, what am I doing? Oh, I'm singing to the king. Can there be a greater privilege than worshipping this living king? Ah, I just think there 's something of the expectation in the modern church that needs to come back I'm expecting to meet with God. Are you expecting to meet with him today? Why don't you just worship this Jesus We're coming back to worship you, God? Let the frills let the things that so easily entangle let our sin our consumed. Aspects of our lives that take up so much space, Father, help us today. Like like those unbelievers in Caesarea who expected to meet with Peter. Actually, they expected to meet with God, but they didn't know. Help us as a church to re-garnish that thing again, O God. Hearts to worship you. I tell you. Another aspect of a church that attracts the presence and power of God is those that invite the lost. How's this? Cornelius unsaved? He's got his whole house full. He's a man of authority and reputation. He's got much to lose. He's over a hundred. He's he's there. It says his friends and his family came. What are we coming to do at your house? Are we having a bride? No, no, we're waiting for a Jew. And his name is Peter. Who is he? I don't know, but you must come because the man in shiny clothes said, "Come, come!" And he's prepared to wait. I don't know how long. The whole, that whole aspect—he's invited. He's become an evangelist overnight. His whole house is full. We believers, and we don't even get our house full with unbelievers. How's this guy? Radical. I think God from heaven says, "Look at this man. Look at him. Look at him. I'm going to just fall on his house today." The church that attracts the presence and power of God is the church that invites the lust. Yeah. Such a delight, this church being planted, Tableview Hills. You know, in the first 150 years of Cape Town's formation, there were only three churches. Yeah. Can't read it. 150 years for three churches. 1860, the revival break out in Worcester with Andrew Murray. Incredible revival broke out. Now we've become a, church of, uh, a city of churches. But that doesn't mean too much. So city of churches doesn't necessarily mean much. Let me tell you this. This city still needs 100 churches. Maybe 200. What a delight that there's someone who's prepared to go an inconvenience themselves so that the lost might come to Christ. So that those who are hungry would come to Christ. Cornelius, incredible. Evangelical. He's, a, he's a, not evangelical. He's, a, he's an evangelist. He brings them to him. Brings them to God. I tell you, the most powerful meetings I've possibly been in is when it's meeting with the lost. And you're praying. There's people who don't have a clue. There's people who don't have any presuppositions. They don't have any biases. They don't think they know what's going to be happening. They just think, what's going on? We hear, and they hear this message. And you see these believers change. When we go into funny places where there's not a lot of believers, most powerful, 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 presence of God. I, I was on a, uh, Mark alluded to, it was on a house on the roof in Pakistan, and there was a whole lot of unbelievers. There were some believers too, and uh, it was a dangerous time. And so we had seven men with AK-47s protecting us, and they were stationed on the roofs of the houses and in the streets below just to make sure that there would nobody come close. And uh, so it's pretty difficult to invite the unbelievers to a place where nobody's allowed to come close. But they got them in, and uh, there's all these guys. And I remember getting to the point of making an altar call. And there was such a presence of God. And I, I went, who wants to receive Jesus? And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a man with an AK-47 stand on the roof two houses away. And I saw him put up his hand. AK-47 with one hand and the hand left hand. And he said, I'll receive Jesus. And I saw the power of God come to an unbelieving security guard over there on the house. And these people respond, the power of God comes when the lost seek the King. Let us be a church who's always bringing the lust. Let us be a church that's always encouraging. Let us, let us be a church that's prepared to not worry about our reputation. Come, well, what are you I'm going to be afraid? He's going to, he's going to laugh at me. Mark's going to dance. Well, this one's going to do that. Someone's going to bring a tongue. Something's going to word happen. It's going to be weird. I remember in the early days, we were so scared that some old lady would jump up with a tongue in the church in the first three, four weeks of, of, uh, of, of church. And, and then we suddenly realized we're not the Savior Jesus is. All that we got to do is bring them. God will sort them. And then God sorts them. We bring them, he sorts them. We don't have to worry about sorting them too much. Just bring them. The church across the world wants to protect the church from Jesus. Let's not protect the church from Jesus. Let's not protect the lost from Jesus. Let's unleash Jesus that he can encounter. Him. That's our job. Cornelius evangelist straight away. Isn't it wonderful? I, I love this fact that Peter comes into the house. He's coming in there, and Cornelius comes and throws him at his feet. When, when we go to different places, we see where, it's often as preachers and, and so on, we we are extraordinarily honored. In fact, it gets to a place where it becomes like a guru. And in you know, Pakistan and India, they put garlands around your neck, flower garlands. And you feel like a Hawaiian guy. You just don't have the hula hoop skirt, but you've got all these flowers. And then you go, some of you have seven garlands, and you just put your, all these flowers over here. And I say, stop now, that's enough. But they just want to honor you. But sometimes... The man of God is in the house. It becomes such a big thing that we lose the we, we lose the reality of of, of this honor. We, we, we ex, There's an excess that comes to it. And so suddenly it's all these big people on the pedestals. And I tell you, the church is poorer for it. And what does Peter do when he comes into the house? He says, no, stand up. I'm just a man like you. I'm not some big guru. I know the man in shiny clothes said, call me, but that's all. I'm just a fisherman. Peter knows what it was like to be down and out. He rejected Jesus. How embarrassed he must have been. How self-condemning he must have been. I I will die for you, Jesus, in that very night. Three times he denies him. Petrified. And what does Jesus do? After his resurrection, what does he do? He, Peter's one of the first ones he appears to. So says, this is one glimpse of this resurrected king. will change our heart. And, and then later in John, we see the beautiful picture where he finds him on the beach. Peter, do you love me? Three times denied and three times restored. Peter, do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Care for my lambs. Peter, do you love me? God, you know I do. Peter knows what it was like to be a failure. Peter knows what it was like to be nothing. And so for him to come into that place, it's very simple to say, stand up. I'm only a man like you. Church world is littered with these big people. These big ministries. Guys, we're just men like you and I. Stand up. Let's worship the king. Let's worship him together. It's good to have honor. Honor the elders. Honor our leaders. The Bible is clear about it. We have lots of African people in our church from all over Africa. And sometimes you get them and they say, Oh, man of God. I say, What's man of God? I said, We're all children of God. Man of God. Because there's this whole excess and it becomes a whole religious thing. And we start to wear dresses that look like mother and would call us father and all these things that start to happen. And we become these big gurus. No, I'm just a man like you. Stand up. And Peter humbles, he's been humbled, he's been right down there. I tell you, a church that attracts the presence of power of God is a humble church. It's a humble church. No, not the big dude, just Peter, a man like you. I have revelation. I've been privileged to have revelation. I've been privileged to have heard and seen God. I've been privileged to have been a witness. Cornelius, can you imagine how they must have felt in that moment? Jew walking in, he's the captor, he's the colonialist, he's the Roman captor and, and ruler of that area, and now there's a Jew, he's got to humble himself so to call a Jew to come into his house. These Jews, they what are they? I mean, the Romans despised them and the Jews despised the Romans. But he's got such a humility that he's prepared to open up his house and bring someone from a total different culture, total different background, total different religious aspect, he brings him to his house. Can I ask this? How often do you do that? How often does the church do that? We always do a little thing. These are people that look like us. They, 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 they smell like us. They, they laugh like us. They talk like us. Sometimes it's good to bring someone that's not like us. Peter brings in, he, he comes in and Cornelius, a humble man. He's a centurion. Yes, he humbles himself to this man who he's ruling over. He's the boss of this guy. Yet he humbles himself church that attracts the presence and power of God is a humble church. May it be said of life changers. Those people, just normal people like you and I, humble people. It says word in the Bible says, do not think too highly of ourselves. Let us never get to that place. It's all from the king. It's all because of him. That is a church that attracts the power and the hunger and the presence of God. Value. There's incredible values. Culture is broken, food barrier is broken, religious barriers broken. All one under God. Yeah. And then and they get there and and, and and then he finds this man Cornelius and it says he's a generous man. He, he's a praying man. He's got gifts to the poor. I know he's an unbeliever. I know who Christians who don't even pray. Here's an unbeliever who prays. Here's an unbeliever who gives. I know Christians who have given everything to them by God, yet they don't give. This unbeliever, the generosity and the praying heart and the remembering of the poor, the presence of God comes. I tell you, if we want to see the presence of power of God come, there needs to be the generosity of God that returns. There needs to be the remembering of the poor that returns. There needs to be the praying that returns generosity is a powerful tool for the church we were um recently last year i preached a series and a few more minutes what time do we have to leave Huh? three minutes four minutes just tell finish with the story There's two more to say but and uh preached a series on generosity and i preached the one day and just suddenly as we we, we stopped the meeting it was the end of the meeting, and people, people came out bringing sunglasses, chucking them on the stage. Some people took off their shoes, put them on the stage. Others brought whatever they had, and they just put them on the stage. It was incredible. I think, how do we go and distribute shoes now? And how do we go and distribute, you know, sunglasses? But it was just this heart response to generosity that was happening. And about two weeks later, a man came to me, and he was weeping, and uh, started the meeting church. I said, "What's the wrong?" He's an a Indonesian man, and he said, ah, "I've been holding on to this for two weeks. I needed to bring it two weeks ago, but I hadn't. But I'm bringing it now." And he gave me a little envelope like this, and I said, "What's in here?" And he said, um, "He said this is not for you." And I said, "Okay, no problem. It's not for me." Said, I said, who's it for." You. He said, "It's for David Wallen. And David Wallen planted the church that we lead." And I said, "What is it?" He said, "It's a bar of gold." And I took this envelope. And inside was a bar of gold. And I'm like, woof, this is a nice envelope, you yeah. know? And, uh, and uh, he said, remember, it's not for you. I said, no problem, I remember. And, and we went to the lady who takes care of all our finances, and we got these big safes, and she zipped it in there. And I found Dave. He was in Cyprus, the Turkish Republic. And I said, Dave, you'll never believe what happened. We preached a series on generosity. This man responded two weeks later, and he's brought you a bar of gold. So we go, That's crazy. He said, I said, look, next time you come through, stop. Remember, we've got to sort out the gold. And about two weeks later, he came. And uh, we were in the office. And uh, we give him this bar of gold. And in the office is a lady from Colombia in South America. She's running the finances. It's a lovely lady. And she'd just gone through a sad divorce where her husband ran off with another woman. And so we've been counseling them. And it was hard, hard, tough times. But she's this faithful, unbelievable woman. And... um, and so she's in this process and she takes out the bar of gold and we give it to Dave and we go, wow, how amazing is this? Yeah. And he receives this bar of gold and for 10 seconds he holds it in his hand and he says, Hilda God, this is for you. And he gives her the bar of gold. He releases it to this lady who's the Colombian lady. She starts to weep and we all start weeping. What? This is incredible. Bar of gold and he instantly gives it away. I took him to the airport. He flew off that day. I came back an hour and a half later to the office and I walked into Hildegard's office. I said, geez, wasn't that amazing? She's still weeping. I said, wow. She says, Rob, you don't understand. I said, "What don't I understand? She says, yesterday I went down to the souk, which is the market. And I took all my jewelry, took my wedding ring, took my earrings that I had, all the gold earrings. And I said to the jeweler, I'm starting a new life would you melt down all this gold that I have and make me a new ring? And he said, ma'am, you do not have enough gold. And she said, God will provide. And the next day, God gives her a bar of gold. There was such a presence of God in that meeting. I've told the story wherever I've gone around the world because suddenly it demonstrated the power the presence of God that comes as generosity is unleashed. I said, Hilda God, this will be a testimony to your great-grandchildren one day of the provision of God of heaven, even in the midst of your greatest trial. I see Cornelius, unbelievably, giving to the poor. He's giving to the ones he oppresses. He, give, he gives to the ones and he, and he loves the ones and he, and he prays for those whom he doesn't even know. And you know what? He doesn't know God yet. He's not going to find out who God is. Our, our city in Doha is filled with Corneliuses—people who worship whom they think God is, but it's not God. What about the city? How many Corneliuses here in the city? My challenge to you today is: you want to track the presence and power of God? Just start looking at some of these things that come out of here. I, I, I want to say to you: we should all be finding a Cornelius. There's Corneliuses crying out in the city. Generous people. They might be believers of other things. Believers of other faiths. They're crying out to the king. They just don't know who he is. And he's calling you and I to go and bring the truth to the revelation to Cornelius. And when I track the presence of power of God in this church, praying church, generous church, remembering the poor church. I've got to, I'll stop here now because just off time. Stop with this. Straight after this it says Jesus anointed by the Holy Spirit and power. Telling them about Jesus who is anointed by the Holy Spirit and power. That Jesus brings such a presence and power into that meeting. It's the demonstration of that he's alive. It's the demonstration he's alive. Sometimes you can't put it. I tell you, the power of God is the evidence of this risen king. And the evidence of this risen king who's died on the cross comes into that meeting. And he comes, and the Holy Spirit comes and endows them with power. Brrr, he falls onto that meeting. A church that attracts the presence and power of God. is a church that, under no, that declares no other name but Jesus. No other name but Jesus is the Lord. And to such a church, the presence and power of God comes It just attracts him. It's like a missile. (sighs) Heat-seeking missile. He comes down upon such a church. Life changes. You cannot have a name called life changes and not be a church that attracts the presence and power of God. And I have experienced the presence and power of God here this weekend, but I want to encourage you. How do we come to church? Are we still obeying? Are we still prepared to be inconvenienced? Are we still prepared to put our reputations in line and invite the lost? Are we still prepared to be generous, hospitable, remembering the poor, amazing people? Are we still a humble people like we once were when we had nothing? To such a church. where the name of Jesus is declared, no other name, presence and power of God like a magnet. I want to pray for you if I can. This message was a two-part series. so I won't do the two-part. Who desires more of the presence and power of God? Why don't you stand? I feel like God just wants to bring alignment in some of our messages, in some of our hearts, in some of our thinking today. I'm going to hand over to, to Mark. So I've got to go to the next service. Mark's going to continue. Father, we want to say here in 2018, the start of and the dawn of this year, we speak about faith, we speak about all these things. We want to say we eagerly desire, we eagerly expect, and we eagerly trust for your presence and your power to be amongst us this year. We pray that you'll come bring the adjustments that you need to bring, the heart alignments, And cause this church to be a church that changes not just lives here, but the lives in this city. And the lives beyond. Would you come now, whichever any one of those areas has challenged you. Just come before the cross right now. And allow the king to bring the the adjustments that are needed in alignment for the presence and power of God. And the way God might have been speaking to you today. Don't resist Him a lot more. Be like that church in Cornelius' home. Be like those people upon whom the Holy Spirit fell. Worship you, Jesus.